Father, as your word is open, help us. Lord, we cannot do anything without you. And Lord, grant freedom in your spirit tonight is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. John 16, verse 2, knows the Bible says, it says, They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God, what? Service. So first of all, these people go to the synagogue or they go to church. And while they're going to church, and these are people persecuting you, bringing pain and suffering into your life, they go to church, number one, and while they're going to church, their motive is actually they're thinking in their heart that they're actually doing God a favor while they persecute you in the name of God. And thus, spiritual abusers was prophesied to happen here by Jesus himself that would happen here in the last days. And they're thinking all the while they're doing God a service. They were doing what God wanted them to do. Have you ever been unjustly treated by others before? Or worse yet, have you ever been crucified by Christians? My presentation. If you had, then I, I let people know you have either one or two roads you can choose. Either you can choose the road to continue to be bitter and angry, a spirit of unforgiveness, or you can go down the road of healing. Interesting, I was at a youth conference a couple years ago, and somebody came up to me, and she was sharing with me about how she was abused spiritually by her spiritual leaders within her school. And this incident really affected her, and she said she had a hard time healing from it because she submitted it to long, such a long time, and she has a hard time just dealing with it because the pain runs so deep. And I realized that this, this problem runs even deeper than we realize. And those of us involved in ministry, we see a lot of this happening. And a lot of people are hurting. And I had another leader come forward and say, you know, I'm a leader of actually other leaders with our program. And in this program, then, I said, I'm a leader of leaders. And you know what? I am on depression pills. A leader, spiritual leader of other spiritual leaders. I'm on depression pills. Broken, right? Hurting. And yet I'm leading these other people. And he said, another person, one of the leaders came up to me and said, can you help me to be a leader to these other leaders? And he said, all you need to do is be the father figure to these leaders. So he went back, tried to be a father figure. And he came back the next day and he said to her, um, you asked me to be a father figure to the leaders, but you know what? I never had a father. So how do I be a father figure if I never had a father. And so we just see this pain and this hurt and people are hurting within a church and they're being abused as well. First thing to find out when you've been unjustly crucified is to find out who is the person responsible for your crucifixion. Was it a person? Was it a group of people? Are you thinking about it? Who deliberately caused your crucifixion? And if you understand this, you can better understand healing and move forward toward the road toward healing. Now, first of all, this person you think, this villain, is not of this earth. It's of the spiritual realm. And if you really want to find out who this person is, you must ask the person who has actually been crucified himself, who authored his crucifixion. So turn to me to John chapter 18, two verses later. John chapter 18, two chapters later. John 18, verse 11. The Bible says here, so Jesus said to Peter, 
Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my what? My what? My father has what? Given me. So who gave the cup of suffering? Who authored the crucifixion for Jesus Christ? His own father. His father authored it. And if you understand this concept, you begin the road toward healing. If you ex- refuse to accept the crucifixion was from the hand of God, then you begin to believe that you weren't crucified, but you were just merely mistreated by people. And so you must understand behind the scenes of everything what's really going on. You were crucified by God's plan. You went through that pain. You went through that suffering by the, authored by God. Whatever you went through in this life, whether you lost your child, whether you went through abortion, whether you were sexually abused, or whatever type of pain or suffering that you've gone through in this life. Maybe you lost your job, foreclosed your home. You're deep into death. You're struggling in your marriage. Your children no longer want to talk to you. Your family is not close. Whatever pain and suffering that's hurting your heart tonight, and we're talking about surrender this weekend, but we must deal with the core issues in order to surrender to God. Whatever you're struggling with, know that God allowed it in your life for a purpose. You are crucified by the will of God, and thus He alone is the one with whom you need to make peace with first. Believe that, let me say amen. Amen? amen. Now, now, let's go back before. Who is it that brings the pain and suffering to this world? Turn to John chapter 10, eight chapters before in your Bible. John chapter 10, verse 10. What the Bible says here? It says here, Jesus is speaking. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Who is the thief? Satan, right? And I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So Jesus brings life and Satan comes and he's the one that's the thief. He's the one that came to kill. He's the one that came to destroy. In other words, he's the one truly behind all the pain and the suffering that you've ever gone through. And beloved, it's God that brings life to you and me. What a wonderful God. What do you say? Amen? Look at your hand out here. I'm going to read this quotation from the Spirit of Prophecy. It says here, notice what Satan does. It says, Satan has studied the secrets of nature. He uses all his power to control the elements as far as God allows. In other words, all these natural disasters that's coming, all this pain and suffering and death, you know, it's actually Satan, he can play around with nature and he can allow these catastrophic events, hurricanes, even Hurricane Harvey, can he not? What do you say? Amen. And he can bring it upon this earth, and he can bring the suffering to this world, because he can do it, but as long as God allows it. Notice what it says here. It is God that shields his creatures from the destroyer. What do you say? Amen? You know, we think that it's God's fault all the time, but, you know, even in the insurance companies, they call it an act of God when it's actually a natural disaster, right? Like God gets the blame, but no one ever talks about the act of Satan, Right? No one talks about it's Satan's fault, that Satan did this and Satan that, or why God this and why God that, right? Do you know that there's actually a destroyer behind the scenes that's doing everything, and he can manipulate the forces of nature to create a natural disaster? God's the one that protects. He's the one that gives life. Then it says here, the Lord would do what he declared that he would, Remove his protecting care from those who rebel against his law and force others to do the same. Satan has control of all whom God does not especially guard. 
Did you hear that? Satan has control of all whom God does not especially guard. If God is not guarding you, then Satan has the control of you. And then it says here, notice what it says here. Notice how he plays the game. He plays the game. He says, he will favor and prosper some in order to further his own design. In other words, he blessed you, a movie star, bless you a lot of money, or you're doing well financially. He's going to bless you. Just because you're getting blessed doesn't mean that's always from God. Is that true? Right? Amen? And just because you're going through suffering right now doesn't mean it's only from you on Satan's side either, right? Amen? Another prosperity gospel, right? If, if you're doing everything right, then you're always going to get only blessings. But that's not true. So he's going to prosper. So Satan can prosper people and make them think that everything's all good, but it's not good. And then it says here that then and he will bring trouble upon others and lead men to believe that it is God who is afflicting them. In other words, now we're talking, we're looking at the root cause of everything. We're going to focus on cause to effect and going back to discovering what is the root cause of even surrender. So what Satan does, he actually causes harm upon people, and I've seen this happen so many times. He causes problems and people to face trials and struggles and pain. And when he does that, he makes them believe that it is God that's causing the suffering when it's really him. And then people start saying, Wow, God, why did you put me through this? Where were you? How come you didn't stop this from happening? I prayed to you. My sister, I remember. I remember I'll never forget the time I visited her. She'd been watching my niece. They're at a party at a family home. They rented this beach home. I'll never forget her being there and I visited her out there, and she was watching the, the nephew, four years old. He drowned in the pool. So for 17 minutes, she waited for the ambulance to come, doing CPR on his four-year-old kid. And the whole time she's praying, God, please save his life. All I could do for the whole time I visited her was just listen. And her words, all she could say was, crying with her tears, why? Where was God? As if God was to blame. And you know what that does? If there's no one here to, to lead and guide them toward the, the correct direction, you know what happens to a lot of Christians who don't have someone to direct them in the right direction? They turn to become an atheist. Or they turn to hate God and they leave Christianity because if that's what God did for me, I was faithful, I came to church, I returned my tithe, I was involved in ministries, and this thing happened to me? I don't want nothing to do with God. And kind of, you start to question your Christian experience. And I'm talking to you about even ministers and, and speakers that God uses. They begin to question their experience as a Christian and even as a spiritual leader in the church. And maybe you're a spiritual leader in the church. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe something tragic happened to you. God wants to bring healing to your heart. What do you say? Amen. This is the root cause. We're talking about surrender. And you're going to have beautiful messages this whole weekend. Um, Pastor Ivo Myers, you know, Angie David, Alistair Huang, beautiful messages. So what I'm going to do is I'm just telling you about the beginning part is why would we surrender to a God who let us down in the past? Are you following me? Not only that, but in his remnant church of so-called 
his church of Christians, those very people who are part of God's church are the very ones who are used to hurt me and bring suffering in my life. Or maybe this tragedy or this accident, or my mom has cancer and she still died after we anointed and prayed for her, and I just knew that she wasn't going to die. And when God lets when you feel that God lets you down, how can you surrender to a God that you cannot trust? Are you following me? That you cannot love because He let you down? I mean, if somebody lets you down, you know you can't trust them and they lie to you, and they said they're going to be there for you and they weren't there for you. How can you surrender your life to them and give them your full support and just be there for them if they let you down before? So what we need to do, you need to guide them, and we need to guide ourselves to the right way how really the Bible says how God actually works. That's what we need to understand. I don't want to say three things. God, we need to understand God's character, you know, Christ our righteousness, God's purposes, and also God's government, how God works. If we don't understand how God works, He gets the blame, and we will never surrender to God. We can never trust Him. I want to have that full trust and love to God. What, about, what do you say, huh? Amen? And so the beginning of surrender moment by moment is to heal and to understand how God really works, and that's what we're doing tonight. Why does God allow us to go through suffering? Um, well, notice the next quotation. It says, A guardian angel is appointed to every follower of Christ. These heavenly watchers shield the righteous from the power of the wicked one. What do you say? Amen? In other words, there's angels that guard you around from being protected. If you're on God's side, and he makes sure that nothing harms you. Isn't that beautiful? What do you say? Amen? And there's angels here tonight. What do you say? Amen? And he's protecting and guiding you. Satan brings destruction, but God sends his angels for protection. And, you know, it needs to go through God. That's why in the book of Job, right, Satan said, he was talking about Job, and he wanted to, to bring suffering and pain to Job. And God, right, and God has said, well, have you seen my servant Job? He goes, yeah, because you are protecting Job, right? So I think any bad thing, and then God says, okay, you have my authority. But the only reason God gave the authority is because... God knew that this was the best thing for Joel. What do you say? Amen? And the only reason why you may go through pain and what you may go through suffering and whatever hurt that's come in your life, because God, who is the author, and He knows everything from the, end, from the beginning to the end, He knows what's best for you. He knows that you won't break. And He knows if you trust in Him, you're going to make it through. Some of you are struggling right now tonight with something going on in your life. Maybe like you're going through a, a bad relationship. Maybe you're going through a divorce right now. Maybe your own child is hurting and trying to reach out to drugs. And it's a wild life, and you don't know what to do. Maybe your parents don't want nothing to do with you anymore. God has a purpose in your life, and he wants to use this pain and suffering to teach you something. He's the author of your crucifixion. What do you say, amen? Turn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Why does God allow us to go through suffering and pain? Notice what the Bible says here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, Why did Jesus go through suffering? The Bible said, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he what? Suffering. In other words, Jesus on this earth but there's something that Jesus lacked while here on this earth. There's something that Jesus did not have. According to this text, 
That was obedience. And the only method that he was able to learn obedience, this, we're talking about the Son of God here, right? On this earth. Laid aside divinity, yes, but still the Son of God nevertheless. Something he needed to learn. Submission. Surrender. Obedience to his Father. That's what he needed to learn. The way he was able to learn to surrender and submission and obedience was through suffering. What do you say? Amen? And Jesus as our example, as we look to him, as if he's our example, then we need to follow the way that Christ works in doing these things. In the same way, God allows the pain and suffering of crucifixion to come upon us to teach us obedience as well. What do you say? Amen? He's teaching you something. You're going through this. There's a purpose in it. It's not by accident that you're going through what you're going through. You know, that gives me such comfort. When I go through suffering and pain and whatever hardships I'm going through, what keeps me going is like, okay, God, I know, I know you. You want what's best for me. This is going to make me a better person in the end. I trust you in my heart. Whatever it is, Lord, I submit. I surrender to you because I know who I surrender to. God does not want us to just legalistically surrender him just because it is right. Are you following me? Amen? He wants us to surrender to him because we know him, and to know him is to love him. What do you say? Amen? We know and trust and love the one whom we are surrendering to. What do you say? Amen? And if you know him and love him and trust him, you will want to surrender him. No matter what hardships come your way, you will give everything to God because you love him. And every time he's led you in the past, you have nothing to fear for the future because all those hardships you went in the past, he was always there for you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever hardships you go through, he's there. Look at the Spirit Prophecy quotation. It says, God sends trials to prove all who will stand faithful under temptation. He brings all into trying positions to see if they will trust in a power out, off, and above themselves. Everyone has undiscovered traits of character that must come to light through trial. God allows those who are self-sufficient to be sorely tempted that they may understand their helplessness. What do you say? Amen. Think that you can be living on this world on your own and doing what you want to do and how you want to do it and when you want to do it and if trials come your way, you can turn around and go the other direction? No. God wants you to go through trials and He wants you to be crucified for a purpose. He wants you to learn what it truly means to surrender. Tonight I'm linking the direct connection between the suffering and pain and trials you go with and surrender. Turn to Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. Revelation 13, verse 8. When was Jesus slain? What the Bible says here? It says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, Jesus, slain or crucified from the what? Foundation of the world. In other words, Jesus' crucifixion was planned from the beginning of the world in the council of peace between the Father and the Son. Another quotation says, The plan of salvation had been laid before the creation of the earth, for Christ is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, each act of pain and suffering that came upon Jesus at the cross of Calvary was planned out and willed 
by his own father. And the same way, beloved, when you finally realize this, then you see there's a far greater purpose for your crucifixion in your own life. And just in the same way as Jesus, every act of his pain and suffering and crucifixion was planned out and willed by his father, so is every act of pain and suffering and your own crucifixion was planned out and willed by your heavenly father. What do you say, amen? Somehow we have this idea that as soon as I become Christian, then everything goes good. Is that true, right? I gave my, my heart to the Lord and everything's great, right? I got baptized and I'm, everything's going to be all perfect from then on. Jesus was led into the wilderness after he was tempted, wasn't he, right? After he was baptized to be tempted, I'm sorry, right? God allows his pain and suffering to teach you and I lessons of obedience and surrender to him. What happened to you is meant to be a beginning of transformation for your life. That hellish event brought you to the exact place that God wanted you to be. What an act of mercy. What do you say, amen? amen. The question is, will you allow yourself to be crucified? That's the question. Will you allow yourself to be put through suffering and pain? Or will you run from the crucifixion like all the disciples did? Look at the next quotation. When near him, Satan's arrows are broken and cannot harm you. Your trials and temptations born in God will purify and humble, but will not destroy or endanger you. What do you say, amen? If you're trusting in God, no matter what trials and no matter what suffering you're going through, whatever it is, Satan can throw his arrows at you, but you know what? It's not made to destroy you. It's there to help you and to actually make you grow, to make you stronger, to humble you. That's what God wants you to experience in your life. You're here for a reason this weekend. God wants to teach you something about surrender. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. Who are we made to be in the exhibition to? Notice the Bible says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, For I think that God has displayed us. God is displaying us all around. To who? It said, The apostles, last as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to Angels and to men. In other words, we were made as a display to the world. Not only this world, but even the angels of other worlds, to the whole universe. In other words, everyone is watching what you would do. Especially, everyone is watching what will you do when you are crucified. What happened when you were crucified? Do you remember? Did you do a little crucifying of others when you were crucified? Did you return fire with fire? Was there anger, resentment, hatred, attack? How was your conduct as the world was watching and the universe was watching you? Did you find fault? Did your dark side emerge? How did you do? Most Christians don't do well being crucified. They resent it. They argue. They defend. They reason. They talk a great deal. Generally, Christians are not really Christian when they're crucified. Have you had such reactions 
in your Christian experience? If you have, then consider this. God wants to bring you to a point where you are beyond all such reactions. What do you say? Amen? You see, if you fight back, are you shout, accuse, blame, then that is not crucifixion. That is just two people being vicious toward one another. You see, if God was to let you have a nice home, a good car, perfect circumstances, but what is your attitude toward God when he consents to nails ripping to your flesh and pain tearing through your soul? Do you still like God then when everything's not going well? No, everything's going well. You're happy and praising God. Hallelujah. Coming to, I, I love God all my heart. And soon as things are going bad, Why, God, why, right? Whatever happened to that trust in God? You know, you look at the two thieves up there on the cross. And these two thieves were up there on the cross, and one was railing against Jesus. In fact, if you look at the quotation, what happened? It says, the two thieves wrestled in the hands of those who placed them on the cross. In other words, they were there on the cross, and before they were nailed to the cross, they were fighting against the soldiers because they didn't want to be crucified. They were fighting against with all their might. They want to go through the pain. And in the same way, many Christians today as well, we, many Christians also resist being crucified because they also don't want to go through the pain. Now, at first, this second thief was, was resisting and he was um, joining in. But after a while, he said, don't say anything. This man has done nothing wrong. And he backed up Jesus. But what was it that turned the heart of this second one? What happened that changed his heart? We know that Jesus went as a lamb to the slaughter. You know, you ever seen a lamb before? You know, you can take him with a knife and, you know, you can tie him up and they won't do anything. You can slit the throat and they'll just die without saying a single word without any resistance. That's Jesus the Lamb. Yes, he died on the cross, but how he died made the difference. Are you following me? Amen? How he died was that he didn't say a word. He didn't resist the crucifixion. That's the power of the cross. And one of the thieves on the cross, that's what converted him. He saw Jesus' reaction. His first reaction, he fought and resisted the cross. He swore and cussed and everything. And he had nothing to do with these soldiers. But when he saw how Jesus treated those who abused him with love and surrender to the crucifixion, it changed his heart and he was a different person and he was converted on the cross of Calvary. What do you say? Amen? Look at your handout. It says here, the two thieves wrestled in the hands of those who placed them on the cross, but Jesus made no resistance. What do you say? Amen? And then it goes on and says, the Savior made no murmur or complaint. No curses were called down upon the soldiers who were handling him so roughly. No vengeance was invoked upon the priests and rulers who were gloating over the accomplishment of their purpose. Christ pitied them in their ignorance and guilt. He breathed only a plea for their forgiveness, for they know not what they do. What did he say? Amen? He surrendered to what the Father authored for his crucifixion. Are you being crucified today is my question. If you are, then look in Jesus, how he handled his crucifixion. Our example, even though it was 2,000 years ago, you see, both thieves saw 
the crucifixion. But only one thief really saw. And many Christians see or hear the messages of the cross, but very few really see the cross. How is it with you tonight? Have you seen the love of God who loves you with all of his heart? We serve a wonderful God. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And you believe that, that God is a wonderful God and you love him. Then surrender with all your heart to Jesus. What do you say? Amen? Amen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried to his father. He cried with all his heart to his father. Father, take this cup of suffering away from me. I don't want to go. This is the only time when Jesus and his father disagreed upon something. They've always been one. They've always agreed. But here was the time when it comes to crucifixion, there's something there, and it's okay to ask why. Jesus asked why as well. My God, my God, why? And he's there, he go. this is the only time when he suffered and he actually was wrestling, God, I don't take this cup from me three times. I don't want to go to the, I don't want to take this cup of suffering away. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want this pain and suffering. I don't want to be crucified. And I don't especially want to be crucified by my own people, Christians as it is today, crucified by Christians. In the same way, beloved, Gethsemane. You see, I want you to notice that before the cross, there was Gethsemane. What do you say, amen? Before the crucifixion, there is the surrender of Gethsemane. What do you say, amen? And sometimes... You see, the, the natural order is we need to surrender first so when the crucifixion comes, we are ready for the crucifixion. What do you say? Amen? Amen. But many times Christians are crucified and then they have to surrender after they've been crucified. And Gethsemane comes after the cross. Is that how it is with you? Are you one that has been crucified, you've been suffering, you've gone through that divorce, you've gone through everything, and you saw that your action wasn't good, and then now you realize and what you said, and even what you said to your parents, and what your actions or what things that you didn't like? Are you one that has to go back and do it backwards and go to Gethsemane after the cross? How is it with you? You know, after the cross, there was a resurrection. What do you say? Amen. You know, the first thing about Jesus when he was resurrected, what was the first thing you think Jesus said? Did he vow vengeance? Did he spit on the ground and curse Caiaphas? Did he swear revenge on all his tormentors who cursed him and crucified him? Did he gather all his disciples and recount every single detail of what they did to him in, on the cross and how they hurt him and abused him and everything else? You won't remember any, reading any such thing about Jesus Christ and about this on, in his resurrection. And those who have been truly resurrected have no bitterness or bad words for those who have crucified them. What do you say? Amen? You're going through a breakup in your relationship? Those who have been truly surrendered in Gethsemane and crucified on the cross will have no bad words for those who have broken your heart. Can you have a big amen? Amen? I've been guilty of that in the past, I admit. Many times over. Almost like talking bad about the other person just to justify yourself. 
goes I. In other words, that's me. We're all of the same flesh. That could be me. That's not, we're not greater than anyone else. What do you say, amen? Just because someone falls spiritually, don't we think we're better than everyone else? That could be you. It's only God's grace that keeps us from falling. Because we serve a wonderful God. What do you say, amen? You know, because of that, I've been trying to witness to my family for how many years? 20 years. I tried everything. Bring them to meetings, evangelism meetings, nothing worked. And my, one of my, my brother, right above me, and my youngest sister below me, they're the closest. And you know this, right? Your family is the hardest people to reach, right? Amen? You know it works or not if you can reach your family. And I wasn't able to reach them. Reaching the world, saving the world, saving the world, but I can't even save my own family, right? But you know, something happened when I went on medical disability. I moved back home where my family was, taking a break from ministry, spending time with God. God began to do something in my family. My youngest sister, she started to have worship with God, started to have devotions. I gave her a devotion, but she started to read it. Her walk with God, because of what she went through, that suffering, she started to, to love God more and to draw near to God. And like, what if I never had gotten sick? I would never be here. My sister would never come to the Lord like I'd seen her happen. Doesn't God know what he's doing? What do you say, amen? And then my brother right above me, let me tell you what happened to my brother. He didn't, there's something there with my brother and I. There's this brokenness, like, we were close. All three of us were close growing up. I mean, this, we were really close. And all of a sudden, he felt like I felt distant to him. Like we weren't connected. And he just had a sharp tongue with me, you know. I remember one time he was visiting me when I was sick. And out of nowhere, he just, you know, we talked for like a couple hours every day. And one day he came to me and said, I'll never forgive you for what you did. I said, What? I never forgive you for what you did. The day that dad died, I'm never going to forgive you. So what did I do? <laughs> you know, my dad, the day my dad died, my, my family's kind of crazy. So the day my dad died, in front of my dad, my sister, we all gathered around. My sister and my brother, him, got into a fist fight in front of my dad. Broke it up. And he got... He got hit, but he didn't hit her, but he, she hit him, but she can hit. I mean, she can hit. <laughs> so it's kind of swelling over here. <laughs> and so it's, and he's big, you know, my brother's big. And so he's all swelling over here, and I, I told him, that's okay, you're a big boy. That's what I told him. But he thought I said, how to like hitting a girl. So for 10 years, he's thinking that. And I thought to myself, what if... He died and I went to his funeral. And I thought to myself, and what if I had come to go to his funeral and realized that my brother, and I thought to myself, I would think to myself, what was it between us? I couldn't figure it out. What if I went to the funeral and, this, and we never reconciled? Are you following me? What if? And what a blessing to allow God to author my crucifixion. What do you say, amen? I would never experience this. This reconciliation, my brother. And you know, a few months ago, I, I was, was lying in bed and you had pillow talk with your wife or your husband, right? And I said to her, 
My brother, he totally anti-church, anti-God, and he has his own beliefs. And he said, I said to my wife, my brother, we tried to reach him. He's, when I first came back home three years ago, where he was doing well, and then he just seemed to got worse. I said, my brother, he is the last person in the world to be a Christian, I told him, and the last person in the world to change his diet. Because <laughs> his, his diet is crazy. He's all kind of crazy food, drinks all, all kind of alcohol. It just goes crazy, right? I thought he's the last person to be a Christian. And I'm amazing how God works. When I finally can almost like give up and give it to God and surrender. You know, this week before I got here, this week, God has been working miracles in my brother. He went to ER twice, his health. He's changed his lifestyle. There's some ways he's even more healthier than us, you know. We're just like very strict in our diet because I, especially I got sick. And, but he's like even low sodium too, right? I mean, I, I don't have my sodium at least. But he's, he's eating like low sodium, low, low cholesterol, and just like very healthy, healthy. And he's the last person, like I said, right? And then while in the hospital, I gave him a book. And this book is called, if you ever get this book, powerful. Hard to get it. It's called Does God Care? It's the best book I ever read by me, McGuire on suffering but I gave him this book thinking he, I don't know I felt impressed to give it to him I gave him a book and last week he told me that he read the book <laughs> he read it and said I disagree but I realized that this is not God is not to blame for the suffering in this world but he's testing us this week I decided on Monday to give him you know I flew out on Wednesday to come here. On Monday, I gave him a devotional book. Tuesday morning, I didn't say anything. I don't preach to my family. Live the life. That's how I believe. Because they heard it from me before. <laughs> so on Tuesday, he came to me and said, that devotional book, I read it this morning's devotion. He says, can I read ahead? And my brother is very macho too. Yeah, he's old. Can I read ahead? I was totally blown. Can I read ahead? I said, oh, yeah, it's not meant to be. You can, you can but you go by day by day. But you know what? I'll give you some more books. He goes, that'd be good because I wanted to read some more. So I went back. I got all the tracks. I got the book. That's on Tuesday. That's the day before I flew up here to the mainland. So I gave back and I gave him a whole bunch of books. And he said, thank you. And he's just totally excited about reading all these books and how God's working in his life. And I say, no, I'm, I'm praying for you. And he goes, I'm praying for you and your family as well. <laughs> you know, amazing things happen when you surrender to the author of your crucifixion. What do you say? Amen? But what if I had resisted like many of us did and I've done in the past and says, I don't want to go through this. Like the disciples run away from the crucifixion. What if I'd done that? I would have missed out the blessings God wanted for me. And beloved, God has blessings for you. What do you say, amen? You're going through this crucifixion for a purpose. God wants to teach you something that you haven't learned in the past. Through this darkness, there are, the Bible says in Isaiah, there are treasures in darkness. God's teaching you these treasures in the dark times you're going through. I want to surrender my life to Him. How about you? What do you say, amen? Don't believe the lies of Satan. God is a love, God that you can trust, that you can love. And when you trust and love this God, you will surrender to Him. What do you say, amen? amen? But you don't love and trust Him, you will not surrender to Him. 
learn to love and trust Him. And while you're going through the suffering, may your prayer be, Lord, not my will, but Thy will be done. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? At this time, my daughter Anya is going to sing a song. It's entitled, Thy Will Be Done. I want to leave, read some lyrics to you. It says, I know you're good, but this don't feel good right now. And I know you think of things I could never think about. It's hard to count it all joy, distracted by the noise. Just trying to make sense of all your promises. Sometimes I got to stop. Remember that you're God and I am not. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. This is the beginning of this weekend, the opening night. And my challenge to you is this. You're going to hear some wonderful presentations from all these different speakers. My challenge to you is this. You want to say, Lord, I don't know what this weekend's going to look like. I don't know what you can do in my life. I am gone through struggles, or maybe not, or maybe some, I'm going to hear the word that's going to be straight to my heart, and I want to surrender. Whatever you say I want, you want me to do, I love you, I trust you, I want to surrender. If that's your desire, I just invite you and say, Lord, if this is you, Lord, please, you're the author of my crucifixion, or you'll be in the future, please take my life. Father, we know that you see us and you hear us, and you're intimately connected to us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who set the example of how to surrender in Gethsemane, how to surrender at the cross. And so, Lord, this weekend we want something in our lives to learn a surrender, Lord, moment by moment. Pray, Lord, that you anoint all the speakers' lips and give them the messages. And as, as we all share this weekend, Lord, I pray that you just inspire all the people who are coming to the meetings to be open to your word, Lord. Maybe some are here because they have to be, but Lord, even soften their hearts. May they be open to your Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for your word. Thank you for everyone who stood and wants something different in their life, a different experience to be used by you to learn obedience through the things that we suffer. We thank you, Lord, for already hearing. Bless them, everyone here in this room. And answering our prayers, we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.